This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. Last week, we talked to David, a single man, a bachelor, about he used the first lines of the Serenity Prayer to embark on a journey of change away from addictions and brokenness to healthy, nurturing relationships. Life is not fair, and it's easy to fall back into patterns of the past and bring, that bring more pain into relationships. One also loses focus on God who sees us and wants to work change in us. In previous programs, Trevor Hudson, who wrote the book um, Seeking Serenity, shared with us how to live the serenity prayer. He has allowed us to use the material in the book so that we can focus on the first three lines of the serenity prayer. And that's what we're going to continue to do today. Yeah, and uh, I include myself, Suki, when I say that many people live in their brokenness. Um, And less now than before for myself, but... Sometimes, even unknowingly, uh, people are living uh, in their brokenness and living out their brokenness. But uh, for us, the serenity prayer can truly bring serenity and change away from the addictions and away from the encounters of life that is so hard. So today we are, have the opportunity with, uh, to share with Steve, who is with us, in the st- uh, not in the studio, but on a call. He's a divorcee and um, in recovery, and he's used these first three lines of the serenity prayer to face the challenges in his life. And uh, so very, very welcome, Steve. Thanks, Vijay. Can you please tell us a little bit about yourself, just for the listeners, to get to know you and to hear where you come from and your struggles and how you ended up on this program? Thanks, Suki. Yeah. Right. So I'm Steve. I'm 54 years old. I'm uh, Currently, I'm uh, working as a small building contractor. Um, I have a background in the civil engineering world and putting that to use at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I, um, yeah, so I was married for nearly 20 years. Um, we had, uh, and still have, two daughters um, who are now both grown up. Um, but about um, 13 years ago, um, because of my porn addiction, mm. Um, things became a bit rocky in that relationship, and it eventually led to a divorce. Um, so I had been divorced for that for that period, um, but I've remained in recovery throughout that time through various ups and downs, um, generally more up than down, thank mm-hmm. goodness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's that's me in a nutshell. Wow. And so we got to know you at Celebrate Recovery, uh, where we deal with our hurts and hang-ups and habits. So um, I think you mentioned what brought you to the recovery groups. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, thanks. I um, I had a, a huge blow-up in my life because of my porn addiction, um, which happened in uh, 2008. And um, I... I came to the realization I needed help. I um, 
was very fortunate to find a counselor who himself was an addict, um, and he helped me to get started in recovery and to begin doing the 12 steps. And uh, through him, I found out about Sex Addicts Anonymous, which is a 12-step group. And I joined um, various fellowships and uh, attended those meetings and started doing step work. And, um, yeah, that proceeded over a very long period of time. I um, I have worked the steps through Sex Addicts Anonymous. Um, I've, I've done it three times. The first two didn't work out really well. Mm-hmm. Got steps six and, and, and uh, found I got a bit stuck and mm-hmm. started again. Same thing happened. And then I got very serious and I completed my steps. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, but during this during this process, I I actually was led back to back to God, back to Christianity through mm. the steps, and um, that started to happen um, about six years ago. Mm. And um, so, a friend of mine in recovery, um, he actually uh, we spoke quite a lot. I used to share quite a bit about my uh, return to Christianity and how much that meant to me. And eventually he he began um, to invite me to celebrate recovery. I was a little bit reluctant. Mm. And eventually I realized that this was probably God speaking to me through somebody else. Mm. And um, I bit the bullet and went, and I've enjoyed every moment since then. Mm. So, Steve, what what I'm hearing is that you attended a number of or, or a number of uh, meetings uh, in and um, fellowships mm. in SAA, and it, it is there that uh, this what we are focusing on today is so so very important, and that is the Serenity Prayer. Uh, could you just share with us the first three lines that we often say in the support groups? Yeah, um, thanks, Frederick. Yeah, so God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the reason to know the difference. Yeah, um, it, it, it is, isn't it so very, very deep? Um, and I think so often in the fellowships, when we attend the meetings, we just ramble these, these, these three sentences off, and they don't really have the deep inner impact on our lives. Um, so I'm wondering at what stage did you actually start experiencing the serenity? Yeah, so I, I quite agree with, with what Pedro was saying, that sometimes we just rattle off the prayer without mm. um, much meaning. And um, perhaps even without really knowing what the word serenity mm-hmm. means, True. Mm. and and probably not having much serenity at all, mm-hmm. um, but but just praying for it, um, and I think that was very true for me. Um, it's, it's been quite useful to have this opportunity to think about these issues um, in preparing for this interview, mm. and um, I, I did. Uh, actually have to take quite a deeper look. Um, and I think what I found is, is really that um, that unknowingly the meaning of the serenity prayer 
had actually become clearer and clearer to me over time, but I hadn't actually realized it. And it's only now that I start thinking about it in some depth that mm. I, I realize I, I do actually get it. Um, yeah, so the serenity, I would say, has come really with a better understanding of, of God, with a growing relationship mm. with Christ. And, and to me, maybe that is serenity, a, a growing relationship with Christ. Mm. Um, that, that to me is, is perhaps the, the sort of the definition that, that mm. uh, makes a bit of sense to me. Yeah. Um, you know, I came from a, from a belief as a child and then through a period of rejection of God as a, as a young adult through to fairly late in life and then a, a journey back after getting into recovery. And I, I feel I'm now in a process of, of growing a relationship and um, and gaining serenity. Mm. Um, you know, actually, there's one moment that really stands out for me in this journey, which was when um, a very tragic situation, another of a very good friend of mine passed away from cancer, mm. and I was with her the, uh, during visiting hours on the evening before she died, and... Um, she obviously saw I was looking really distraught and sad, and she said to me, I know where I'm going. Don't be sad. <laughs> and, and I always remember that moment. And, and I think to me that was, that was a moment of, of, of seeing serenity at work mm. in somebody else. Mm. Absolutely. And, and wanting to have that serenity in my life. Yeah. yeah. You know, it reminds me... Um, In the book, Trevor Hudson had written about serenity, and he said, it's a deep inner sense that no matter how dark and difficult things are now, all ultimately is well. And isn't that so, hey? Because it does not depend on outward circumstances, but just that moment, even though she knew she was going, Mm. she knew she was where she was going to, and she was at peace, even amidst the difficult situation that she was in. And that could actually draw you into what it really means to be serenity, to see a practical demonstration of that in a, in a very difficult time. Um, Suki, it is very much what Trevor was also saying about it's serenity is the place where our heart finds its true home. Mm. Um, and that's the peace that goes beyond all understanding mm. that God is able to give us. Mm. Um, also think about in Philippians where it says we need to give all our anxieties to God. Uh, you know, we need to bring it to him in prayer. Everything that we're concerned and anxious about and the peace of God will reign over us. It also sounds like something of that, yeah. right? the peace that we get mm. when we really worry about stuff and know, but, but God is in control and he will work it out. doesn't matter what. But but doesn't that come in, Suki, with the next part of the prayer, and that is uh, to accept. Hmm. But let's talk about that after the break. Okay, just before the break, we spoke about accepting the part that you cannot change. So can you tell us, how? what does this mean to you, the, that part of the prayer that says, God, give us a serenity to accept the things we cannot change? Oh, thanks, Suki. I think uh, to me, there's a lot of 
Um, the concept of letting go is, is, is wrapped up in that. Um, but, uh, you know, if I think about it, a lot of the things I've had to accept are things about the past, the, the regrets of the, the waste I've, I've made of a lot of my life. Mm. And, regrets about the bad things that happened um, and the bad things I did and then resentments um, you know, things that other people did that hurt me um, which were all in the past but were so present with me and, and affecting me and I just had to I had to let go of that I just had to accept that it happened mm. I could do nothing about that fact right but right. I needed to move on um, mm. There was something to be done. I think, you know, when, you know, if I look at the things I did, uh, I did need to try to make right where I had done mm. wrong. Um, I think also a big need to get out of my own head mm. um, and my own way of thinking, which was, which was really a little bit on the insane side. Mm. Um, also, yeah, I think like anger at things that, Appeared wrong or unfair to me, and and believing I was always right, and other people should be like me. Um, I just had to accept that that these were not correct ways of living my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To let what, go and let God. Eh? Yeah, mm. I think what is very important what you are saying is to, to accept the past, but that does not mean that we are denying what has happened in the past. Mm. And uh, you said you mentioned making right. In other words, making amends where you have where we have harmed somebody else or hurt somebody else mm. is to take that responsibility, but not to let the past control us and mm. dictate how mm. we live today. Mm. So accepting it means that that was done and I cannot change it. And also forgiving. Hey? Mm. Forgiveness is part of that because mm. I'm sure there were people that you had to forgive to be able to move on. You had to forgive yourself because as you were saying, some time that you lost, um, we need to forgive ourselves in that process as well. Mm. Yeah, so there are actually many things yeah. that we need to accept that we cannot change, mm. um, even in the current and in the present. Um, what were some of those things that you experienced you're not able to change, Steve? Yeah, so I think uh, the, the most obvious is, is just my addiction itself. Mm. Um, I tried so many times to to stop, to change, to mm. let it go and, and I, I never could. I um even in recovery I um I had uh, quite a lot of uh, of good recovery but um eventually relapsed uh, many, many times over a long period. Mm. Um so my addiction was was clearly something that I had absolutely no power over, mm. um, which was something I found very hard to accept. It, mm. you know, it didn't seem like a rational thing. You know, how can it be? Mm. But, but it is. I, I had no power. I, I could not change that. Mm. It reminds um, me of a, a line that I heard that says that addictions are cunning, powerful, baffling. Mm. It really mm. baffles our minds, hey, that, uh, that we cannot through willpower decide not to do that and uh, that it's that it's something that people continue to struggle with and maybe also for the listeners often we speak to uh, i know that friends and family members listen as well um 
to hear what what it sounds like and how hard it is for the person struggling with the addiction. And also maybe mm. to have empathy, not to try and fix them or to try and change them, but also to have empathy for for the struggle. Um, yes, and then the next one is to courage to change the things I can. What were the things you needed courage to change? Yeah, so much, uh, so much. I I think like like any addict, um, the addiction affects such a wide range of things. And for, for me, um, a lot of it was wrapped up in in shame um, and a need to move back to humility and reality. Mm. Um, I, you know, in that shame, I include things like. My, my arrogance and grandiosity that I used as a defense mechanism, um, even though I felt deeply ashamed. And, and I would also, um, that negative shame would come out as a, a really negative self-view that I'm a useless person, I'm mm. a terrible person, um, and dishonesty. Uh, I think it's very common with addicts to, uh, to be in denial I, I mm. believed mm-hmm. that I was fine, that everything was okay. <laughs> I was believing my own lies. Mm. Um, I would be dishonest about everything to deflect criticism, to avoid being found out, and fears. I, I had to, I had to face my fears. Mm. Um, my major fears uh, have always been around being found out or being inadequate and also a fear of failure in in relationships or in a work or financial sense. Mm. Um, I hear a lot of courage. You talk a lot of, of, uh, you needed courage. I can really hear the need for courage. Yeah, and, and, uh, you know, the courage is not going to come from within me. (laughs) Mm. I had none of that. Um, You know, I was caught up in the insanity of an addiction. And I needed to change that. Um, but I say I needed to change it, but I couldn't. Mm. Um, so many of the things um, I couldn't change, but with help, with other people, with mm. God on my side, mm. they could be changed. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and, and that change comes along with, with wisdom and asking God for wisdom. I just like to refer back to the shame that you mentioned. Um, in my life, this was a big issue, and I've actually come to call it toxic shame from a book I read by John Bradshaw, Healing the Shame That Binds You. And I I, I was not able to change that shame, those voices that lie to me. But I am very different now to what I was when I started my recovery and restoration journey. So it is things that do change, but I was powerless to change them. I couldn't change Mm. them. I allowed God in his way to change. And often the change came with a lot of pain and also my fears that you mentioned and so that I can be really uh, experiencing uh, a humble heart um, and receive things with humility and uh, be more and more honest. Um, I say be more honest because sometimes I am still dishonest by not disclosing the full truth or just partial truths. Mm. So so what wisdom do you think um, is needed for us to, to, to discern between what we can and what we cannot change? 
Yeah, I think I think you you know the use of the word discern or discernment is, is the key to me um to knowing what to do and how to live. Um so I think for me that's really come from trying to live in the care of God, coming out of isolation into community, be that church, be that uh, support groups, be that friends and family. Mm. Um, but also some self-examination, actually learning who the real me actually is. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, the growth, um, spiritual growth that's come through um, through prayer and meditation, mm. the serenity prayer, amongst other prayers. I've, I've really come to appreciate the power of prayer um, and so there's a whole spiritual aspect to this, which is wrapped up in the serenity prayer. Mm. It's not just the psychological uh, healing, it's mm. the spiritual healing that's mm. required. Absolutely. And like you say, it's all prayer. It's not just this, it's not like we're putting the serenity prayer on a pedestal, but it's just to explore a little bit some of the richness and some of the wisdom in that prayer. It's been such a privilege to talk to you, Steve. Um, when I listen to you, um, I can hear in the beginning of the program, we often say we deal with reality, restoration and redemption in the face of addiction. And it's so beautiful when we listen to these testimonies of people that have been walking the road. We can really hear the power of God working in us when we surrender our lives to him and, and when we enter into this process of recovery. So thank you very much for being so vulnerable and sharing your life and your story with us. Till next time. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.